five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Carpenter, and the movie begins uh, with Abco Embassy Pictures Presents, and we're into Escape from New York. We made this picture in 1980. It was written in 1974, six years before we shot it. And this was before Ronald Reagan was president. Jimmy Carter was still president. He was having trouble with Billy Carter at the time. <laughs> and um, it's a story about uh, a guy who goes into a prison and has to rescue the President of the United States. And it seemed to have a resonant quality because at the time, our hostages were still over in Iran and we were still worried about that situation. It was a real turning point in America when we made it. It was, uh, it was the beginning of a whole new uh, decade. And uh, we people don't really realize about this was a, actually a low budget picture at the time. We, uh, we only had about $5 million to make this movie, but we were trying to make a real giant film with it. So um, one of the, the things that gives away a low-budget film is the credits, white over black, and this is exactly what we have with music going. We had a sensational cast led by Mr. Kurt Russell, who happens to be sitting next to me at this moment. I mean, I'm hearing a lot of things for the, for the first time, and I, I hadn't thought about, I guess maybe we did talk about it at the time, but I don't remember, um, that it did have a resonance that, uh, that existed around the, the hostage time. That, uh, was, was just ongoing. It seemed like it was never going to end. And that our whole pride was kind of wrapped up in that big debacle in the desert when the helicopters crashed. By the way, both of our ex-wives are in this movie. That's right. We're going we're gonna to get to see and remember a lot of good times here. <laughs> I do have, you know, I remember seeing this picture for the first time um, fully with an audience, and I was in New York and uh, couldn't get my family into the theater. I was trying to convince the guy that I was in the movie. And he wasn't going to take that, so I paid the way for my seven family members and myself. We saw it with uh, a great audience. It was an almost all-black audience, deep in the, in the heart of New York City. And I got to tell you, from the from the first time they saw the title, they just started hooting and and having a great time. There's Larry, and he is your he Larry was at that time married to my uh, oldest sister Jill. Uh, they're no longer married either. You know, thinking about this, there's something going on here. Um, and uh, Larry and you and I had first worked together on Atlas. That's right. That was, our that was like two years earlier. And we start to film, uh, 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 kind of telling everybody what's going on because I realized I screened the picture for an audience and they had no idea uh, anything about uh, New York as a prison until too late in the movie. So we had to actually draw a map and say, here's the prison and here's what's happened. And I think in science fiction movies, especially movies where you're trying to set the rules for the future, you have to do it in a very clear way right up front. So the audience says, aha, I understand where you're taking me. So basically there's the, the animation that shows the wall around New York. And this was before uh, all the effects in this movie were before any kind of computer effects. So we're, we're doing this the old-fashioned way. This is all animated. And uh, it's too bad because we sure could have used some digital stuff. Uh, but we, it hadn't been invented yet. I remember how great the, the music was. And uh, I remember going in one time to listen to you and... Was it Alan Howarth? Alan Howarth, yeah. And 
it sounded great. And then when I saw it on the on the screen, I thought, God, this is perfect music for this movie. So now we're established. We're in 1997, and our, our little crawl is over with, and we began the film. Actually, this part was shot uh, right over here in the Sepulveda Basin. <laughs> <laughs> we utilized the wall over there and had uh, helicopters going over. This is a kind of an interesting trick shot. We come up into darkness and uh, uh, move out of darkness after we establish where we are. And now we're cutting over to uh, the New World uh, Special Effects Group and Jim Cameron's bunch, and we're coming out. Now we're on a special effects stage with a front screen behind. And uh, as I recall, a kind of funky-looking uh, guard walking along. I think it was one of the uh, guys working on the movie with a baggy uniform, and there we go. Nice, uh, nice matte paintings in the background. Uh, all phony. Another matte painting with a toy helicopter flying over, all animated. Very nicely done, though. They split in the water. And um, hardly any lights over in the city. Here we go. Now the foreground uh, are two, is two men uh, trying to escape, and they're basically out in, uh, out in the water here off, the, uh, off of Long Beach, and we're shooting this whole sequence. This is fun to see this because, of course, uh, you know... Uh, I don't know whether people know it or not, but as an actor in the show, when you're not in a scene, you generally run around. So when you see the movie for the first time, you uh, get to see all the stuff that wasn't shot and see how it comes out from what you read. You shot this in Long Beach? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there goes the dummy flying. Now we're back to another special effects shot. Actually, these are are extremely uh, ambitious shots for the, the kind of budget and uh, the kind of wherewithal we had at that time. And that's a, this is all paintings with, with an animated helicopter and uh, extremely well done. Now we're on location in New York and we do... Uh, this was the one day, we were, what were we, one, one or two days? We were two days in New York. Here we are at the Statue of Liberty on the, the backside of the Statue of Liberty and we do our tie-in shot between New York and uh, the Sepulveda Basin. Basically, Tom Atkins is coming out. He's going to walk into a booth, and we do a long, slow tracking shot, which is going to take us from uh, New York, and in the middle of it, in black, we cut to Los Angeles. So here we go. He's giving some uh, expository dialogue. So we're trying to set up that uh, New York is a prison run by a kind of paramilitary police force. And here we go. Liberty Island security control. The camera's still tracking. Was that in New York still? This is still in New York, and now in black here, as we pass through, we do a quick dissolve, and now we come out in L.A. Here we are in Los Angeles, in the basin, and uh, there are helicopters flying around in our gigantic set. Actually, it looks, it looks very futuristic and very good, but we wanted to utilize uh, all these concrete structures and wet down the floors, and here comes the bus. I remember we were excited about that. I was really excited about this bus because... You'll notice that it stops and it kind of tilts to the right. Remember those buses that they were? <laughs> we kind of thought that was pretty futuristic. The courtesy bus. It tilts it as you get out. <laughs> and here you are. Here you here you come. Uh, let's see. How many years ago was this? This is amazing. This is now uh, 14. What is this? 14 years. 14 years ago. It's pretty amazing. I remember for the first time in my life I was going to have to really try to get in shape physically for a movie. I always admired the fact that you had great courage and belief that I, 
I could lose about 20 pounds and, and get in shape. And now we're shooting this, this entire sequence here, done with a Panaglide. It's shot uh, at a college in Los Angeles where we found uh, the architecture to be rather futuristic but bleak. And uh, this is the inside of the, of the police station. Supposedly, uh, Snake Plissken, the main character played by Kurt, is uh, a nefarious criminal who's about to be put away in New York. And we're, we're establishing that before we get into the main body of the action. Um, if you've watched uh, any of the, uh, uh, the interview section of the tape, you know that there was a 10-minute sequence that we cut out of the picture where you robbed a bank. Yeah, I can remember you. We and we had to cut it out because the audience was totally confused. But now they're, uh, now they're with it. So we, now we've introduced our main character. Now we get to the plot. And here comes uh, one of my favorite actors in the picture, yeah. Lee Van Cleef, who I really <laughs> enjoyed working with, an amazing person. Somebody we all grew up with uh, from High Noon, uh, from the Spaghetti Westerns. Uh. I can remember that we talked a great deal about uh, the quality of Snake and how we do him. We said if Lee Van Cleef was going to play that role, it would be kind of fun to, to do Snake um, a little bit like Eastwood. To kind of give it that Eastwood voice quality maybe and, and have the fun of having done that with Lee Van Cleef. And kind of resonate the uh, Sergio Leone pictures yeah. here, uh, here in the future. I also remember that uh, that stuff was done early on, uh, the, the stuff with Snake in the beginning, because the studio was concerned that he had no socially redeeming value. <laughs> <laughs> and you believed, you said, I don't know, I think he's going to be okay. Well, he, he doesn't really have much socially no. redeeming value, <laughs> but uh, now we're, we're into the plot now. Basically, we, we're going to discover um, that the president's plane has been hijacked. Again, if you notice the, the visual style of a lot of these scenes, they're very simple and, and done in one take uh, with a lot of moving camera. Basically, because of our short schedule, we had to, uh, to take something and make it look big and stretch it. And um, part of my job as a director is to make sure we get our work done. So here you have all this expository dialogue, basically two or three shots, and in this entire scene in the voiceover. Uh, Tom Atkins and... He's really uh, good here, wasn't he, Tony? Oh, he's fantastic. Everybody invested a real reality into the movie so that you really believe that you are in this time and place. I remember in that stuff we shot in Atlanta, talking about getting the movie shot and getting it done. Remember when the camera dolly broke down and you, you had to use a baby carriage? <laughs> you put the camera on a baby carriage. <laughs> now, this is, this is a very ambitious uh, shot in terms of, uh, of a model shot. Here you have uh, clouds going by. And, this is a revolutionary screaming about uh, the workers and so forth. And uh, we're about to meet uh, uh, the President of the United States. But first, if you'll notice in a second, when we cut to the interior of the cabin, there's a tall, blonde uh, Secret Service man who's banging on the door. He's uh, uh, Gerald Ford's son, oh, Steve Ford. There he is. I thought that was cool, too, in the beginning. That was, at that time, too, putting a woman in that role was like, just those little things were different about this movie. Kind of twisted. And now here's Donald, the president. Donald made up an entire story about how he got to be president. It had something to do with uh, 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 Margaret Thatcher taking over the world and, and making the United States a colony again, but I never used any of it. And basically, he's going to this specially designed presidential pod, which now I now realize as a writer doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> But it's a whole lot of fun to watch. <laughs> a lot of this is a James Bond kind of a gimmicks, which are always fun. 
Uh, there's a heart monitor on the president so you can keep track of him, and he, and he gets in his egg. <laughs> Donald had a great time making this film. He finally realized You're it was a, the Duke. <laughs> it was going to be a comedy. Again, we're coming up with some ambitious special effects shots. We had to uh, structure these shots. The crash itself had to be done basically as an animation shot. But here we go. Beautiful model, tracking right in on the building. Here comes the crash right there. But we do it animated so we didn't have to <laughs> blow up anything. Well, basically, uh, this, this is all the plot area. Uh, again, we're shooting all these sequences with wide camera angles, trying to give you a spectacle when we have really very limited means. This was one of my first exposures to helicopters. I was going to say, did you, was this what got you going? This, is be, this began to get me excited about it, and I became a pilot. Actually, you're a pilot too now. It's fixed, yeah, fixed wing, and you went to those uh, moving wings. That's right. But we, uh, I really enjoyed the Hueys. They were, they were really fantastic. Now they're actually flying. This is the National Guard that we got out to do this. They're flying over the Sepulveda Basin, basically waking up the neighborhood in the middle of the night. But now we cut to a special effects shots, and those are uh, animated helicopters. And was this guy on a stage? He is on a sound stage with a front screen in the background. And now we're back on, uh, on location. And if you'll notice how much of this was, was done through animation to try to explain what's going on, since simply because we didn't have the money. Now we're cutting to St. Louis, Missouri, right down the middle of downtown, where we have used it as a stand-in for New York. And uh, there was a big fire in St. Louis in 1977. It gutted uh, the downtown area, so we uh, came in and, and used it. It's very effective. The city let us turn off all the lights for blocks and blocks. And uh, here we are in St. Louis. Boy, I remember that place was desolate. There was, there weren't even bums on that street. Desolate and hot. This is in the middle of the summer. It was 106 degrees at night. It, it was very, very humid. It was not a fun place to be. And uh, Lee is going to make his entrance now. He didn't want to get out of the helicopter because he doesn't <laughs> like helicopters. Now, Lee had, a, uh, had fallen off a horse and, and broken his uh, knee and had never really had it fixed, so his wife was on location, and she said one of the biggest things about this scene was him walking down the street without his knee buckling. He has a real hard time moving. He's quite a strong man and, and very dedicated to the movie and very dedicated to his acting profession, so he did a terrific job. He was really fun. He, he, did, he did have a presence, didn't he? That... He sure did. And notice that flare in the middle of the screen. These are uh, early Panavision lenses uh, that were developed or, in, in 1980 that, that could shoot at a very low light level. And without them, we would have been in big trouble because if you notice in the background uh, of a lot of these shots, you see way down the block. And that's the ability to do that without every light in Hollywood was what got us uh, the look. Unfortunately, uh, we have to be very careful of the focus because that's the one thing in, in Panavision Anamorphic that you're, you're always having trouble with, is focus. Now Frank Doubleday arrives in his makeup. <laughs> he was definitely into it. <laughs> he was definitely into it, and... and uh, he was great here. This this, I thought I always felt that this characterization in this scene sort of really set the tone for the rest of the show. You hear him talking through his phony teeth. It's too bad I didn't replace his voice, but... <laughs> Those days we didn't have the bucks. 
No, the whole set design, the whole uh, feel of the film with a lot of smoke and blue light. Um, it's really the no light look is what we're, we're talking about. All, all the light that you see is, is presumably coming from either fires or moonlight. And it's a very nice look. It's, uh, it's that, something that I've seen since. It's been yeah, popular a lot. Yeah, that had just not been done then. I remember the, the audience just taking to that because it was a look that, as you said, it's just it's been copied a lot. It really set a tone for a lot of different movies. As, as the helicopters raise up, you might see some of the paint peeling off because of the wind situations inside this little square. We tried to hide it with cutting as much as we could. Because these are actually, again, National Guard helicopters. Now we get into the expository section. Charles Cyphers is playing the Secretary of State, and uh, Lee Van Cleef is getting permission to send you in. Yeah. And all this section in the beginning is a basically straight plot <coughs> kind of situation. Uh, the movie is an odyssey, and it's uh, it's basically uh, one adventure to the next with this main character traveling through this strange world, and. Uh, as we talked about, the character is a, is a guy who uh, lives for the next uh, 60 seconds. He's a, he doesn't care about anybody, and he's a survivor, and he's the, uh, the toughest guy on the planet. And it was fun to get you to play that yeah, role. <laughs> well, John, I'd like to do that. <laughs> there you are in silhouette to come in and make your entrance here. We have a, a dialogue scene. Had I had more time in the schedule, I would have uh, covered this in more ways than I did, basically you have a, a big wide master shot here for the two of you, and then you have close-ups, and, and because of our time limitations, I think we even do a couple of closer shots, but it worked out pretty well. The acting was so good in this sequence. He was fun to work with. I remember working in this scene thinking it would be the first time that you met the character, and I was sort of looking to you that day as to, are we over, under, or? Where are we here? I always felt that your characterization was great because he's a soft-spoken guy, but at the same time, he's, he's, the, he's the criminal they all fear so much. And uh, he has no respect for anybody. His, his lines indicate that he doesn't know who's president, he doesn't know who's what, and where, is, is, where he's going, and he doesn't care nonetheless. And he's the kind of a guy after my own heart where he doesn't care about things that other people care about. He's a very self-contained, self-motivated person, and he's... Uh, He's the best at it. I remember one of the things we talked about was the self-lighting cigarette. <laughs> we, we didn't have that in the budget either. We tried, we tried to make that work. Remember with a couple of... Uh, and actually, it, that was your idea. You thought in the future, wouldn't it be great if you could just pull on a cigarette and it would light itself? Unfortunately, as I recall, you burned your fingers. Yeah, <laughs> you could light your fingers, but you couldn't light a cigarette. We had just a little bit more money. We could have figured those things out. He had a lot of hair in those days, Kurt. Remember we talked about everybody having short hair except for Snake, that he was going to basically be the only sort of unkempt-looking guy, and for the most part, other than those who were in, uh, in uh, the prison of New York, everybody outside did pretty much. It's true, and you know how hard it is in those days to get people to cut their hair. Yeah. The style hadn't changed yeah. yet. Everybody wanted long hair. It was still kind of the 60s and 70s. The Reagan Revolution hadn't taken hold yet. This was 1997, right? Supposed to be in 97, yeah. So we're... That's hard to believe we're three years from that. Isn't it strange looking <laughs> at it now? <laughs> Again, you see the dialogue scene is, is covered in very few angles, and there's not a lot of uh, moving camera in this situation, uh, partially because of uh, budgetary reasons, but partially because I felt the performances could just hold themselves. 
And it's a classic confrontation between two men who are on opposite sides of, of an, a situation, but really are basically the same underneath. And now we get the, uh, the expository uh, sequence where they, they tell you what you've got and tell you what you have to do. We were trying to incorporate all sorts of weapons and martial arts and I love, I love your smile yeah. in this yeah, scene. This you one of the few times, yeah, one of the few times he kind of, I like that. This is your tracer button. Again, we're shooting this whole entire sequence in, uh, in university here, uh, locally in Los Angeles. And uh, coming up is a sequence that uh, Lee Van Cleef told me was the most difficult in the movie. And he had to walk down a hallway and talk at the same time and deliver all this exposition without missing a word. And it was very difficult. A lot of the uh, older actors are more used to uh, hitting their marks, saying their lines, and then moving on. And for him, this was, this was difficult. He had a lot of exposition, and we, we were on a panaglide at this point, walking around corridors, down hallways, and did a great job. The panaglide wasn't, was another thing that was fairly new, wasn't it? I mean, I, don't, I had never worked with a panaglide before. In those days, yes, it was uh, uh, just developed in the late 70s, and, and we began to use it, and it was, uh, uh, it hadn't really been used too much. A, a couple of shots in uh, the, the sequel to The Exorcist used it and very well. But we used it as a, as a tracking shot uh, without a dolly, and it worked out pretty well. Gave it an eerie quality, too. I thought that was a byproduct of this, that, of that camera that uh, also helped, sort of helped the overall feeling. It was a floaty quality, almost you're following characters. Here we, here we show a, a sequence that, that indicates that the police state really is just about as bad as the prisoners inside. They inject... Uh, Snake with a those things <laughs> a little little uh, problem in his neck, and and really what we come down to here is this is a world where there are there are very few good guys left. And there's a lot of uh, oppression and brutality, and yet the the man who shines and carries out uh, the mission and and is the most the most dependable and the most courageous of all is uh, the most despicable, toughest yeah. criminal. And I I really enjoy that uh, that setup. He's a Tough man in a tough time, but he comes through for us. I remember also when we were going through the wardrobe for Snake, what it was going to be, I and mean, you and I kind of discussed his background and the fact that maybe he had been in a what was it, a war in Siberia. And so instead of wearing green fatigues, we thought, well, if it was Siberia, it was probably black and white. Black and white. So we went with black and white. and That, that was also a, a costume that uh, didn't exist at that time. And... Exactly. I, I, no, I noticed after that that with the zippers, yeah, I like it. Zippers around the neck and black and white fatigues. And you worked out quite a bit to to, uh, to get here. That was really kind of that was that was that worried me because the guy really did have to be. Uh, I I didn't think he had to be big and strong, but he had to be uh, quick and nimble and obviously uh, strong. And I wasn't that, <laughs> so I had four months I remember to get in shape, and I went down to the local gym and found a. A gym rat who did the best he could. Well, it's amazing the, the 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 various disguises that you've acted under. I mean, you, from Elvis to this is a is a pretty amazing leap. Here you are, a man of action, and there you were, uh, the king of rock and roll. Oh, I can remember looking at the scar there on the left cheek, remembering that we thought we could <laughs> we could tone my dimple down. <laughs> we could take advantage of of the dimple. We could say, well, we don't want him to look like he has a dimple. How about we put a scar there? <laughs> It's great. I think the eye patch was your idea. I yeah, mean, I'm trying to remember how that. 
you just you, you just came up with yeah. it once. You said, you know, I think he should wear an eye patch. He tried to get me also to to let you lift the eye patch and <laughs> show that you had no eye. <laughs> but I didn't go that far. <laughs> now we're out at Indian Dunes, which is uh, um, a little airstrip out uh, north of Los Angeles. And um, what you're about to see is the the glider taking off. Actually, we really did this for real, and this is a real glider, which. Unfortunately, the company bought after we kind of bumped it. No one would buy it. But these are really amazing. Uh, I would never get in one because it doesn't have an engine. <laughs> I know what you mean. But, you got one uh, shot at landing. Yep. And uh, it wasn't easy getting in with those golf cleats on the, on the toes. <laughs> we, we had, you'll see those later on with Brain when I, when, when I put my foot up against him. But we had golf cleats coming out the front of the boot. This was, this was fun. Again, we're, we're dealing with a limited budget, so these are all real tiny sets uh, inside the glider there that we're, we're using lights and, and uh, animation to, to indicate technology, where if we had a little bit more money, this could have been uh, a more elaborate sequence. However, I think probably because we didn't, we're a little more creative with it. I also like the way your eye glistens. Yeah, and I can remember that I had, the, I had the patch. That had I had two patches, one that was blacked out for close shots and one that was perforated so I could see a little bit for action shots. Because you realize the problem with having an eye patch is you can't see anything on your peripheral vision off your off your left, and that's a big problem. And your uh, your depth perception is just shot. Don't want Snake to uh, bump into the furniture. <laughs> now we're setting up the uh, uh, tracer that uh, he has on his hand in order so the audience can understand, okay, and here we go again with the New World Special Effects folks who did a, just an incredible job in actually making you believe that he's flying into uh, to New York. This, this entire sequence I attribute to them. Now this computer graphic was done by building a small model out of, out of uh, cardboard boxes and painting them black and covering them with uh, green lines because we didn't really have, uh, again, computer technology then. Really, really nice uh, effects shots. Uh, uh, Great music here too. I remember. This was, it was just eerie and but kind of beautiful. It was really uh, effective. It comes all this uh, all this sequence is uh, is really well done and uh, relatively inexpensive at the time. And here we go in terms of our little model. We have a camera tracking through it. This was done by a schoolmate of mine, John Wash. Who, How did you come up with the idea of uh, of having monitors in the in the because uh, I mean the other thing existed at that time and that's actually coming that's coming, coming into it is coming yeah. to be an aircraft I don't know it's just a uh, probably all this is an offshoot of the James Bond movies if you recall they all had great gizmos yeah and uh, any kind of action movie needs that so he's about to land on top of the World Trade Center um, which is an interesting sequence because we we're, we're coming off a small model here and then we're going to go into a larger model. And then we're actually going to go on to a live set, uh, which we built out in Indian Dunes, coming up here in a second. And this was where we actually bumped our uh, little glider and smashed it against the edge and couldn't sell it for a long time. Air brakes, anchors. A lot of fun. He crashes at the edge. We'll worry about getting off later. Exactly. <laughs> and there we are. And now we're going to take you across the roof um, and supposedly uh, down an elevator uh, into New York. This is not what 
the top of the uh, World Trade Center looks like. It was what our set looked like to hide various things, but uh, no one seemed to mind the inaccuracy. This was about to be my toughest moment in the movie here, physically. We had a lot of action to go, but this right here was a surprise to me. <laughs> <laughs> you like those, don't you? <laughs> I remember a couple of the other takes for bigger, bigger explosions where I fell on my ass going... <laughs> I remember once when we were doing Big Trouble in Little China, you had one of those near your head. You didn't enjoy it very much. Those are fun. They can really, uh, they can sneak up and surprise you. Now you're going to go down uh, the elevator and you're going to come out in the upstairs of the Wiltern Theater, which is an old, beautiful old deco theater on uh, Wilshire and Western. I remember another thing that was interesting here was to go in with... Uh... Not, was the choice, and we talked about this a lot, was not a lot of weapons, not a lot of visible... Correct. Weapons. He has to kind of survive on his own. And this, this at the time, this particular theater was uh, uh, abandoned and uh, run down, so we spray painted it and and uh, used the upstairs. Uh, you saw a shadow move in the background. There was actually, the, the, the building was originally inhabited by uh, a tribe of, uh, of American, uh, Native Americans, but we uh, decided to eliminate them. Um, from the show. Now we're, we're fading in back to uh, St. Louis, and this is one of our most ambitious shots in the picture. This is a Panaglide shot that starts mm. on one block and follows you down a street, and we begin to slowly reveal parts of, uh, parts of the environment. We're going to get to a fire and some people in a minute. <laughs> I can remember feeling really good when I got into the shot because I remember waiting for the shot. I had to go around the corner and wait. <laughs> While I was around the corner waiting, I didn't know who I was going to run into, and a couple of guys came around the corner. And they saw me with that gun and everything. They didn't know what I was or who I was. And they just turned around and went the other way. <laughs> I don't blame them. I, I, I was glad to get in here. <laughs> now we start to pan around. And this is blocks and blocks of, of, of uh, lighting. This took us hours to get. And there is a, uh, an actual airplane that we purchased. Uh, it had been in a crash, but we purchased it and cut it up and set it in the middle of, uh, of the square in St. Louis. And... Uh, there were actually people reporting a plane crash because they saw it there. <laughs> this and, was sort of Joe Alves at his best, I guess. This huh? was. And, and Joe Alves, is the production designer, just did an incredible job. Um, he's extremely famous uh, before we, we worked together, and he did an amazing job for us on very low budget. Here you are walking by the plane, full size, everything amazing. lit. And this is, the, this is as big as we got in the picture, and it was, uh, it was really worth it. It really sets up uh, what's going on. This is an extremely hot and humid uh, time, and we're working all nights. And as you know, when you work all nights, it's a very strange life. Uh, real life kind of passes you by. You wake up in the afternoon, and, and uh, you have to readjust your, your thinking. But uh, we really got some good footage. We were doing things here with Snake, too. We wanted to grab his attitude here. I think then we just we sort of shut off... Shut off... Uh, who was it, Van Cleef at this time talking to him? I said we we'll sort of treat him with disdain. <laughs> <laughs> see, I can see I see how much younger you look than uh, mm -hmm. uh, It's interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, I remember that. And we had to shoot a few inserts of you walking around. Now we're now we're walking down the street. We're three blocks away in St. Louis up to the famous Fox Theater, which has been restored and has become a big rock and roll uh, um, showcase now. It's a beautiful, gigantic deco theater. This is the outside of it. 
And uh, this particular sequence was conceived and written by my co-writer, Nick Castle, who has since become a director. He directed uh, Dennis the Menace and Tap, and he wrote Hook. And he, uh, he conceived the idea that uh, the prisoners would actually try to put on their own Broadway show. <laughs> um, there are several members of the crew and, and uh, cast in the orchestra. You might recognize I'm in there playing the violin, and several <laughs> people are around. But this is interesting. You, you go into the Fox Theater, in St. Louis, and you end up back in the Wiltern Theater in Los Angeles. There we go, in Wiltern, through the lobby. This has also been restored. It's a beautiful theater. They put on live concerts there now, often comedy and, and so forth. But all the torches and all the lighting is just, uh, I have to uh, give Dean Cundy uh, an enormous uh, uh, credit here. He really made this thing very rich. Lots of smoke. We didn't mind the smoke in those days, though, did we? No. <laughs> but, you know, it really was. It was uh, a difficult thing because you're going to go into a town that had no electricity at night and uh, you were going to have to see everything. And that was... How are you going to do it? Here comes Borgdine. He was a lot of fun to work with. <laughs> he was He's a big-hearted guy. Yeah. Uh, let's see. He hasn't aged at all. It's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> he never will. No. Now, was Nick up there? He wasn't. He was playing uh, the He's, piano. You're playing the violin? I'm playing the violin. <laughs> and uh, here you come. There's the Wiltern Theater actually did resemble this a lot. It was a very, very rundown and dirty, but uh, it had that deco feel to it. Yeah. Now we're actually continuing in the theater. You're going to go down into the bowels of the theater here. This is the part that always gets cut out from television. Yeah. This was a, I remember this was a big bone of contention because when I see the girl getting uh, tossed around, remember there was a lot of you were getting a lot of heat about him. He doesn't, he doesn't try to help her. He doesn't do anything. He was, well, that's, that's, that's who that's he, is. he is. He doesn't, it's none of his business. Traditional American hero, of course, would stand up and say, now you can't treat that lady like that. <laughs> what does Snake do? He minds his own business. <laughs> ain't my life ain't my wife. Why worry about it? There you go. <laughs> So now we're down underneath, uh, in actually the bowels of the theater, which were quite, uh, quite ripe at the time, as I recall. <laughs> I believe that several folks actually came in here yeah. to live, and it's a it's an amazing place down here. It's very very dark, and this is where some of uh, Dean's lighting got its edgiest. Here we go. Now now we're into this particular sequence here. Now nah, did we cut it out? Did they cut it out in this cut? Let's see if we did. Uh, there we go. There they are. There they are. <laughs> He's got a helper. No, he doesn't. <laughs> now, the actress who played this uh, tried to talk me out of doing this, but... Okay. <laughs> That's interesting. Do you like your reaction? <laughs> and we were coming up here to, our, to the first bit of action for Snake or movement or some kind of uh, physicality. And remember, we tried to... Make everything as swift and devastating as possible with limited movement. And the idea being that since he's so he's so good at fighting, you know, his fights are not going to last very long because he takes care of business real quickly. That headbutt. Was, and, and that was done. one of the first times that headbutt. I, I, I'd never seen that before, and we talked about that. And you see that a lot. You see it all the time yeah. now. Yeah. So now Snake is uh, moving onward, and, and the lighting uh, continues to change. Again, we're using silhouettes and very edgy lighting, and now we're going to come up to uh, Buck Flower, <laughs> <Buck> Flower. <laughs> who has done 
<coughs> throughout the years done so many parts for me and has been so great. Uh, he's just a terrific actor. And now he's going to, uh, for a minute, we think it might be the president. <laughs> of course, it isn't. Mr. President. Buck is a very, very talented actor. He's great. Yeah. <laughs> and extremely funny. Uh, he was great here. He was supposed to sing Hail to the Chief. And I, th I think he ended up singing something else because I don't think he knew Hail to the Chief. Sounds a little like a Christmas carol. So here we go, uh, back in, uh, back at the, uh, the police uh, force thinks that the president, of course, is dead. But uh, we learn from the plot that what was his character's name? He was named after a, uh, a Cronenberg. Cronenberg. He was named after right. David Cronenberg. Right. Now, basically, we're at the uh, the turning point in the film where Snake is is lost. He's uh, he doesn't have any place to go. The president isn't attached to the monitor, and so story wise. Um, you're opening up uh, yeah. the whole thing for, for chance. What's going to happen? What can Snake do? How can he survive? You know, he still has that, uh, those things implanted in his neck, and he has yeah. a time limit. A little human compassion. Now, coming up here is one of my uh, uh, all-time favorite sequences in the movie. This is, a, another again, another big shot that we took in St. Louis. You're seeing down blocks and blocks of, of street there. You come up to... Uh, Kind of examine the uh, the egg that fell from the plane, and uh, it's a moment of hopelessness for Snake. What's he going to do? And it's a contemplative moment for the character. You know, usually in in uh, in action pictures, the the hero is is almost all never almost always a kind of a brutal, tough loner. But he never takes a moment to kind of of contemplate what's going on. And this is a, a scene coming up I really really enjoy. We talked about this, and and these were the things that you and I felt we could find as we were shooting the movie that would offer something for the audience to to counteract the, the fears of the studio at that time of him being uh, socially unredeemable. And uh, we just decided to sit him down in a chair for a second and kind of show old, his... Old kitchen chair, there he goes. And you know, it's the thing about making movies, Kurt, that I love so much is that you can't plan certain things, and certain things happen through um, um, chemistry and, and ideas on a set that uh, you can never plan for. Now, here we go with a sequence where the crazies are coming. This has uh, always been one of my favorites. It's And it's been so empty up till now. It's been so empty, devoid of human beings. Uh, we're going to start to see them pour out, of, uh, pour out of the manholes. This whole idea was kind of beginning to be as if they were they were kind of cannibals. We never went into that too uh, too deeply, but um, it's a little Night of the Living Dead. But he heck, you need something right. like that in here. It was always the stuff that was fun here too. Was that this character never reacted right away to something? He sort of took a beat and then slowly wandered towards what was going on. Maybe well, he's a smart man. He, yeah. he, he doesn't yeah. uh, respond yeah. immediately to things. These are, of course, wooden manhole covers. If you've ever tried to lift one of those things, uh, you know that it's physically impossible. Uh, it would break your back trying to, <laughs> trying to lift it from below. So they're all made out of wood. And we're still in St. Louis at this point, in this entire sequence. And uh, here come the extras, and uh, we're going to make a transition now from uh, 
St. Louis to back to Indian Dunes. Uh, the set, uh, and here we are. We're on a set at Indian Dunes in north of Los Angeles, uh, near the site of Jock the famous. Nuts. <laughs> that was that was. <laughs> <laughs> this was near the site of the helicopter crash on Twilight Zone. Uh, luckily, we weren't around. A great set again yeah. by uh, Joe Alves. Rats oh, running around, and uh, there's the golf cleats. <laughs> now we're going to come up to a scene that, uh, that with your uh, first wife, Susan yeah. Hubley, a very, very talented yeah. actress, very beautiful. And at the time, as I recall, she was uh, she had recently given birth to your right. to your son. Right, Boston was uh, very young. I, I don't four months, five, maybe six months old, and. Uh, it was the first uh, thing she'd done since she'd had the baby. We did this in what was this? We had to do it in one or two nights because, as I recall, you did the dialogue scene with her in one night. One night. I loved her look here. She yeah. had her hair all spiky and cut, and she was really playing yeah. a playing a tough girl. Season has an enormous amount of talent as an actress. I really enjoyed working yeah, with her. She really does, and uh, she was great here. And we, I remember, we kind of worked on this dialogue a little bit. Remember to try to give it a, a sense of history, and. Uh, I remember the names of two gangs that were in my neighborhood in Los Angeles. <laughs> the, was it the Turks and the... And the, I can't remember Turks the other names. The... She's terrific. We don't know what's going to happen here, but she's a, an example of, a, of somebody who is a survivor. I mean, she runs around with the gangs. And uh, here for a moment, we're thinking maybe that uh, Snake's going to hook up with her. There's a, there's a little bit of sexual tension here, and she tries to maybe let me go with you, Snake, and... I really enjoyed what you guys did here. Yeah, it was, I it was tough it was because really we nice. didn't we didn't want to have him kiss her because of the circumstances, because of who he was. But we didn't want to make him totally asexual. Although he, I think I think pretty much that was what we ended up with. <laughs> but there are a few sparks going here. Yeah. You kind of get the idea. Yeah. And he's not in the best of moods at this particular time. We shot this in one night, and uh, it's a very very low light level. There's just uh, as you can see, there's just kind of fill light on you guys, a little was, bit of highlight on your face. There was great dialogue here too, in, in terms of what this kind of movie is, because he was very self-deprecating. Again, I think he's an unusual hero. Here we go. I thought there was a great moment here, because he's con he knows what's happening, but he's not reaching for her in any kind of a, of a <laughs> traditional way. Now we're into the action again. Here comes our assistant director. Oh, down oh. she goes. It was great. She did that great. The stuntmen were under there to catch her. He only tries to help her for a little while. <laughs> I better, better take care of myself here. <laughs> now we have a little action scene uh, where you run through our set there. And uh, this took the rest of the time. Uh, another night we did this yeah. entire sequence. Very, very difficult and, uh, and uh, challenging to do this so fast. Yeah, we were flying by the seat of our pants here. I remember we were trying to come up with stuff to do that wasn't too much, but was enough. You did a lot of physical work in this, Kurt. You're climbing up yeah, things we were... and jumping over things and going through windows. And yeah. um, In a minute, we're going to make a transition from uh, our set again back to St. Louis. And uh, you were uh, in, in great shape at this time, yeah. and you were really roaring. As I recall, uh, we came back to do some inserts a few months after shooting, and you put on a little bit of weight. <laughs> It doesn't take long. I think the costume <laughs> didn't fit you too well. You're breaking windows yeah. and you're coming out uh, with oh, bare this, arms. That's, that's this, a tricky. That's a tricky. Yeah, and this gun was a, was a, was uh, it was tough because that gun kept whapping me, and we didn't have a, a lighter double gun. Now you're going over the wall. We break your your thing, and now you're coming over the wall into um, 
you're you coming just, into St. Louis. And Here you, you just are. keep adding. Uh, what's interesting with this character too was that you, with what you did in terms of writing, you just kept adding more in terms of of uh, adversity. He had more and more problems as he went along, didn't he? And yet he kept dealing with it. Now you're going to run into uh, Borgnine again. Again, Panaglide. Here we go down a hall, kind of a, an alley, and it's a it's a nice feeling uh, to be able to glide along like this. It, it it's not like a dolly. And then we come up to, uh, to the cab, and this is Nick Castle's character that he wrote, uh, the cab driver who still uh, remembers the old days. And Borgnine was a perfect choice for it. He, he really had was. a great. He has a great joy of life. Uh, also, Castle's idea was the the American bandstand situation, which <laughs> was the height of absurdity. And uh, Cabby's talking about uh, all the rules of New York, and he's going to throw a Molotov cocktail and kind of take care of business. And another spot where uh, even I thought, God, I don't know, how do you pull a gun on this guy? Because he's just so likable. But uh, it was sort of threading a needle. It was threading a needle, but we, uh, we wanted to keep him pure. We didn't yeah. want Snake to descend into movie land. We yeah. wanted him to be unusual. Now we're on a sound stage. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sitting in a car with a lot of lights going on, <laughs> shooting dialogue. Guys running by with. <laughs> Again in St. Louis, under the bridges, uh, um, a lot of lighting involved in all the exteriors that you see. The interiors were a lot easier for us. Uh, we're back in Los Angeles. The staging of this was kind of different because normally, a director would have you, and a, and a cinematographer would have you move a little bit further to the left there where you're completely clear and we didn't do that we kept him almost behind cavi now we're introducing the idea of uh, the duke of new york <laughs> and the duke has the president and uh, i was talking with deborah hill the other day and, and uh, isaac hayes sent a message to both of us and said i'm not dead man <laughs> you guys do a sequel i want to be part of it <laughs> He was terrific. Ike I worked out with him. I'd wake up sometimes in the morning because we were working all nights, and I'd wake up in the morning, and Isaac would say, well, call me tomorrow morning. And I'd call. I'd wait as long as I thought I could, and then I'd call, and the lowest voice in re in history would answer the phone. I, it, there's no way to describe how low his voice was after a night of work. Now we're coming up to, um, I think it's the Masonic Temple in uh, in St. Louis. Again, this is a... A trashed and deserted area. And we come up to the temple, to the uh, to the building now, and uh, you know, in a moment we're going to run into my first wife, Adrienne yeah. Barbeau, a very very fine actress. She was great in this. She was she was the teenage dream. I mean, she just personified everything a boy kind of says. Boy, I'd like to I'd like to meet her. <laughs> I recall when you guys did this scene. Uh, I remember when she. I remember her reaction. You played it a certain way. You had a certain line that you delivered with a slight edge of sexuality right. to it, and she just cracked up. She right. thought that was the right. greatest. Right. right. I had a lot of fun doing this. <laughs> uh, Snake is running out of time now. Dying on the vine. And we're about to move uh, again in locations from uh, St. Louis, where we shot this scene, scene at the door. Finally opens up here in a second. And out comes... Adrienne. Wait a minute. <laughs> this, even this got Snake's... This got even Snake's attention. 
if I got six hours to live or whatever it is, this might not be a bad way to spend it. Adrienne <laughs> loved, loved this character. She really enjoyed her. She enjoys yeah. playing a tough girl. And uh, yeah. I believe this was the line uh, I want to meet the dude <laughs> that she enjoyed so yeah. much. <laughs> That's the smile yeah. there. There we go. Now she reacts to it. <laughs> Yeah, Lances at board speaking, nine. Speaking a language of their own here. And in we go to USC Library. <laughs> Back to Los Angeles. Here we go. We This was the an amazing set. I'd never seen that USC library. You must have spent quite a bit of time in there. I did. I went to USC and I used to used to come in there. We're in the main library now. And in a minute, uh, we're going to uh, transfer over to the Philosophy Building Library, which That's is an incredible show. place. Again, uh, Cundy's lighting is just so beautiful. Wardrobe is fabulous in this too, isn't it? I mean, I, I was just uh, lots just of browns exactly and blacks, right. and uh, the future and the past combined. Here we are in the philosophy uh, library, and <laughs> this was. The, I walked in and I saw this, and I said, "Oh man, look at that! An oil derrick. <laughs> this is perfect." And now we meet Harry Dean, who is is oh, one yeah. of the most amazing people of all time, <laughs> and he has not changed at all. I saw him about a month ago, and he's exactly the same. A great actor, an amazing human being, and change, an unchanging person. Yeah. He enjoyed playing this role. He played it. He played it as a young poet. He said, yeah. with, his, with his cravat, holding up his demeanor in this. Now you had uh, some uh, cleats on your shoes. Is that right? Yeah. This was now we we had the golf. Anything that would serve as any kind of offensive weapon on any part of your body, <laughs> and. We, were, we screwed in golf cleats on the tips of the toes because, of course, that would be the most snake could afford. <laughs> that was tough. This yes. was hard holding that gun. It only weighed about 30 pounds and I was running out of gas. <laughs> Why do you want to know? I want him. You did a good job. I couldn't tell. <laughs> could have been a rubber gun as far as I know. <laughs> we had to shoot this sequence in a day, as I recall. Again, we had a a low budget and we didn't have a whole lot of time so you're talking about conservation of uh, of work here a very good scene and Harry Dean is, is extraordinary oh, he's a he's got a great sense of comedy and a great sense of drama at the same time I, I believe you guys were talking about Fresno Bob and what Fresno. happened to him yeah. <laughs> where did Fresno Bob come from he well he was in the middle of the night someplace <laughs> I out of my he was important dreams. though <laughs> This was, yeah, now this is about as conniving as Snake ever got. And he's going to threaten, uh, he's going to threaten his old friend. And, and basically, Snake has to take care of business no matter what. Now he has a line on, uh, on where the president is, so he's going to get a little tough. I've forgotten the uh, backstory on the two of them, except that they were involved. They were involved in a robbery together. Snake was left and... Uh, <laughs> Harry Dean uh, got away. Unfortunately, Harry Dean uh, got sent to prison. What play, well, I thought one of the things that made this scene play and made the audience go along with it was that we hadn't sacrificed any of the believability for Snake in terms of his uh, unlikability and his, his, his potential violence. You really believed, I think the audience believed there, that he very well might just shoot this guy. Kill him. Whereas if you take other scenes prior to that and come off of Snake, you... You might not have believed it. And we're back in St. Louis again, and we're about to... Uh, <clears throat> Isaac Hayes is about to make his entrance. <laughs> this is maybe my favorite entrance in a movie ever. 
John was alluding to what was going to take place here. I'd never seen this this car, and when I saw it for the first time, I cracked up. I've since seen that car on the streets of L.A. <laughs> you got a Panaglide shot, uh, very ambitious, and uh, we're uh, in St. Louis, and down the street comes uh, the Duke and his caravan. I always felt that in that shot, uh, anybody could have been walking with Adrienne. I we could have been doing cartwheels and throwing knives and nobody would have been noticing. The cabbie takes off. Cabbie the coward that he is. <laughs> she was come. a gutsy girl. This is the best. Again, Snake doesn't just peel off and go. Finally thinks better of it. Snake is a total individual in a world devoid of individuality, so he, he's going to do it his way. We put the hydraulics oh, in the car man. and jacked up the back. <laughs> and so and there's Ike. <laughs> you can't get any cooler than that. You cannot get any cooler than that, and if you're going to be stuck in that situation for the rest of your life, why not put some chandeliers on your car? Oh, man. <laughs> I love, too, that... You uh, wrote this and chose to not have any kind of futuristic cars. And this, again, 14 years ago, it was an easy, it would have been an easy sort of decision to do that, to go with what, what might be in the future. And you took old cars that were... Old cars, again, it's, it's, it's part of a, including a little bit of the reality and a little bit of the past into the future, which kind of gives it a, a different kind of resonance. Mike knows how to take stage, doesn't he? Oh, boy. He? Did you ever, I mean, did you, when you were... Shooting it, and you—I mean, of course—you had the whole movie in your head. And there's very few directors that really do have the whole movie in their head. But do, were you ever concerned about that car or things like that being just too much, or 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 a little bit more than? Because it wasn't. Well, you—you you know, you're 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 always on the fine line between going way over the top with something, and and hitting it just right. I think I think the the thing is, you just got to take a chance. Yeah. It's just like yeah. a performance. Yeah. You know, you got to go out and do it. You and see what this. happens. Now here you come uh, uh, up to apply a little bit more uh, physical pain here. I think. Yeah. Uh, well, there's Dick Warlock. Now Dick was, bang. <laughs> Dick was uh, my stuntman and had been my stuntman while well, he was my stuntman for 22 years. And uh, when'd you first work with him? I was trying to remember. We we worked together. I think on. Uh, it might have been a picture called uh, at Disney called. Uh, Oh, computer war tennis computer shoes. Computer war tennis shoes. That was it. Really? That was it. 1968 or nine. They're remaking that now. You know. You're kidding. No. They're You're remaking kidding. that. Yes. Oh boy, they're pulling some, pulling them out of the. Maybe you want to play balls. the father yeah. or something now. <laughs> it's it's either me or Tom Bosley. <laughs> so off we go here, and now we're going to go into uh, a little interior sequence uh, dialogue here, and uh, we're going to go make a little trip down Broadway. One of the critics, and I forget who it was, was complaining about the fact that our Broadway, which was shot in St. Louis, was a was like a four-lane street. And, of course, we all know that Broadway's a bigger street than that. <laughs> I want to say, give me a break, guys. You know, we didn't have... A, well, I was concerned about looking cool in a 64 <laughs> station wagon. <laughs> and this, uh, this was a very uh, a difficult sequence to pull off totally. We, we shot it, and to get the sound effects right... To get everything to work right, um, 
and you get the rubber bricks not to yeah, look right. too bad. And there's an element of comedy here that within the action that we had to hold. And I was, remember I was a little concerned about that, of being too... Too broad. Too broad, or being, or the lines being too broad. I was afraid that, uh oh. But, uh, but we, 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 we got it. I mean, it was, uh, it was stuff that worked. Yeah, those rubber bricks were great. This, I always felt this kind of resembles New York right now. Yeah. This, this kind of feel right here. <laughs> After a bad day on Wall Street. And uh, we're going to go through, we're going to do a little stunt here. I believe that uh, that Dick Warlock did this. This is Dick, uh, yeah. Uh, he also did the driving yeah. stunt uh, <laughs> he was coming driving. up in a second. <laughs> he was driving, shooting himself and everything. And we're again back in St. Louis here in... Uh, um, He's going to plow, plow, center punch this uh, wall of cars. Remember he tried to do the 180 there, and the car just didn't have enough juice to do that. Too old a car. <laughs> here they come. What's Snake going to do? I'm thinking about it here. I like the way that's cut together. It, it has that element of, like, there's no way they can make it out. That was one of our few... Two camera stunts at that point, and now we're off and running. We're coming up to a, a location now that um, is the train station in St. Louis, which is abandoned, and uh, this shot right here is, again, one of our biggest. The, that's hundreds and hundreds of feet back there to the train, and it took uh, a great deal of the time at night to light it. That was a sh that yeah. particular shot was in the rain one night, and we uh, didn't think we were going to get it. You can see the rain hitting the pavement there. But now we're back to uh, non-rain, and uh, the the train uh, sequence was uh, uh, there. We go. Now we're into the to the uh, the train sequence was huge. It's immense uh, area there, and this is all deserted. It's I don't know if they've ever it? brought it back or not. Remember the mayor was talking about. Making it into a shopping mall? Exactly. I don't know if they did or not. I think they did. Did they? Yeah, I think they did. I'm not sure either, but I think they did. Here we are, we have a Panaglide shot, which uh, is rather complex. You, see you creep out here, and uh, we move forward, and then in a second you're going to see uh, Dick Warlock running along the top of the train, as I believe, <laughs> as I remember. Yeah, Texas Switch. You can do the Texas Switch <laughs> several times in this yeah. movie. <laughs> And uh, the lighting, uh, the kind of sulfurous. Uh, uh, oh, I thought Harry Dean was great in this scene. And now up on the train, you're gonna we raise the panaglide just slightly to see there's, there's Warlock there. creeping along. <laughs> <laughs> the vistas in this are are, are really difficult to to beat, and it's amazing to me now, sitting and watching this, that we were able to get all this on the uh, on the schedule and the money that we had. We. Uh, if really you were pushed. to do this picture now, just the way we did it then, how much do you think now it would cost? Double, triple, uh, four times as much, over over 30 or 40 million. Gee. Easily. Now we're into the train car. Who is that guy? I don't recall his name. I, I don't remember yeah. his name. You've just dispatched someone back here. This was a tough little gag with that. And you, uh, you took a little arrow there without really reacting to it too yeah. much. Yeah, no, not too much. <laughs> It's just an arrow, after all. That's correct. <laughs> just a slight now, limp. And now you walk up and you meet the President of the United States. Yeah. And treat him with due respect. 
Donald had the time of his life oh, making yeah. this. He loved he loved doing this. <laughs> he loved playing this character. I had to convince him to do it in the beginning. He didn't understand why I wanted him, but once he got it, <laughs> he just had a blast. And now we have a, another brief little fight coming up here, Kurt. This was a great jump here. I remember the audience really came out of their seats on this. This was a sort of a patented carpenter jump. Yeah, cheap trick, but it hey, that one. always works. It was a good one. Here you go. Coming up. Got to turn that little, do that little walk. Bango. <laughs> I've also enjoyed the brief fight that you yeah. have yeah. here. Uh, again, it's yeah. uh, your blocks are, are, are extremely good. Now you're you're going to get trapped here in a second. Remember, and this is great. We had a guy with one arm here. Yep. This is great. Then Ike comes up to uh, shoving his stub into my throat. <laughs> <laughs> The extras were terrific. They, they put were. their all into it, didn't they? They got it. They just got it. They, which is, it's easy to say now that they got it, but before anybody had done anything like this, to get them to understand it was who the knew best thing. Uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Here comes Frank Doubleday. He uh, he's playing a character uh, named after George Romero, the director of Night of the Living Dead. I like the way he looks at Adrian's. Adrian's cleavage and then pulls his <laughs> pulls his own shirt apart. Uh, she's indicating that she still has a gun, and uh, we're at basically a turning point in the film. Uh, the snake is captured. Ike has a great face, doesn't he? Yeah. Now, now you guys must have talked about the twitch. He wanted to do yeah. the twitch. <laughs> <laughs> Only when he saw Pliskin, though. Only when he saw Snake, it made him twitch. I got. <laughs> Ooh. Even that one woke him up. Tough to get Snake to react to pain, but boy, that was going to do it. And we're, we're, we're again dealing with uh, an action movie on the edge of comedy and on the edge of, of, uh, of, of being a little broad, but it, it, it seemed to, we seem to pull it off. It's, when you're in the future and you're in a crazy world like this, I think it allows you to... Yeah. To, to go over the edge. I think Snake gets hit, doesn't he, here? Oh, yeah. He, he kind of gets knocked out. <laughs> yeah. Heard you were dead. <laughs> Bang. <laughs> that was great. And we're going to end up uh, pretty soon here inside the, the train station for our famous fight with... Uh, but first... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As I recall, we... we uh, Made a day sequence come in here. You're he are you? I mean, I'm in you? the day yeah. sequence when we're dropping the uh, the food in a little while. Those were really well done. But the movie's all been uh, and extremely dark up to this point at night, and um, at the time, I recall several people being very worried that we weren't going to have any contrast in our film. It was going to be too dark, yeah. and uh, so we designed a little uh, a day sequence to brighten it up for the audience and give us a bit of relief. There you are, kind of knocked out. Oh, and this is where we were going to discuss. We said, well, if we might throw in a thing here for why they call him Snake. And uh, I must say that after we did this, I got some of my favorite fan letters <laughs> that I, <laughs> from... Uh, it's an From intriguing. girls who saw this saw this tattoo, they thought that was pretty great. A real shot of New York. We were out there at, uh, at dusk. I remember that day. I remember you guys were gonna shoot early. Yeah, it wasn't fun, but it's a beautiful shot, and uh, that was great. 
we're into a um, um, little bright, brighter visuals for the audience. That's a that's actually a dusk shot in Los Angeles, but it's uh, it's standing in for Dawn and uh, real heroic shot, isn't it? No, Lee is he's allowed to play it. Now you wake up from your uh, your dream and you're about to get taken to a a big fight and the and uh, <laughs> waking up to that. <laughs> Now this is the interior of the of the literally of the uh, train station, and they had several uh, areas. This is one big area. There's uh, ballrooms, and there were there were restaurants, and all this was deserted and trash. So we really didn't have to do too much to it. Boy, that place was massive. It's huge. We do the torment the president sequence here, <laughs> which gives Donald a reason for uh, uh, his feelings at the end of the picture. One of the big problems in this scene was uh, whenever uh, Ike shoots, there's a bullet that's coming out of there, and it's going to hit Frank Doubleday in, in the head. If not careful. <laughs> now here's your uh, tattoo. Here's a tattoo. Who are you? That disappears below the <laughs> belt line there. If you still got any of those letters, I wouldn't mind reading. Them at this point. Oh. A lot of crossbows and, and, and ancient weaponry because we figure uh, uh, all these prisoners don't have the access to guns. Just the just the Duke does. And Gosh, this takes me back now. And when you made the pictures that you and I have after this one, the simplicity of this uh, time, we just had fun, didn't we? It was just, you were just dancing on your feet. You were, whatever, whatever would work. And it, it was true. There's something that, that yeah, is, is on the screen yeah. from that time. I mean, it was, a, it was the beginning of my career. And and you'd, you'd been acting yeah. for many years, but it was the beginning of your, I'd, basically, yeah. a second I'd, part of your career. Adult wasn't career, it? and I never had any, anything remotely like this, the opportunity to do anything like this, and I'd always felt that uh, I uh, would feel comfortable in, in, in a role like that. You were the only one that was willing to take a chance on me doing that. Well, I figured you could play Elvis, you can play anything. <laughs> <laughs> and here we have Donald being humiliated. Um, <laughs> Again, you, you kind of see the, the beauty of a widescreen movie because you have so much uh, screen space in this rectangle to play. And if you use wide-angle lenses, it really gives a sense of scope. And here goes Romero. I love when actors take a roll over like that. You notice the way he takes the sunglasses off. He... <laughs> Nothing's done in an ordinary fashion. And there was a great, great deal of freedom in the, in this uh, in this world to to go ahead and play uh, sequences like that. It's a, it's almost like a medieval film, except uh, in the future you've got a costume drama and you've got a lot of uh, outrageous characters. But it uh, everybody invests it with a certain reality. Now we're about to get into this uh, rather uh, extensive fight coming up, and I. Mm. Recall at the time that uh, we were we were dealing with uh, Ox Baker. Yeah, there's a seven foot uh, Ox, wrestler. Oh, yeah. now before we get there yeah. though, here's my uh, debut in as the helicopter in the helicopter. I'm not piloting at this point, but I'm uh, throwing boxes out. It'll get to me in a second. This is over Los Angeles with the National Guard. We're flying. Uh, Where was that? Now that's in the Sepulveda Basin, and that's a Jim Cameron Matt uh, painting. He painted that on a piece of glass. Right out there, there I am, right there. Yes, about John, you. there you are. There I am. <laughs> and uh, we, uh, it, it's a really inc incredible uh, visual effects for such a, I know, such a modest budget, but <laughs> we're about to uh, 
we're about to drop uh, some sort of clue about uh, a snake so that the police believe that uh, they have to go in. Here we are. <laughs> using using all the extras you can muster. And here we come in. This is, again, before the Twilight Zone. Nobody really has any fear of helicopters <laughs> at this point. It's always sort of reminded me. For some reason, I thought this was like Roots with a helicopter. It just sort of looked like field hands. <laughs> chopper comes in, they take off. <laughs> And out come the extras stumbling around out of the helicopter. They can't see. They can't see through those helmets. <laughs> they can't see through the helmet. And uh, here we are back uh, back with Snake. Now, we actually hired a real professional wrestler, Ox Baker. He's uh, seven oh, yeah. over seven feet. Massive. He was uh, 300 and some odd pounds. And uh, he, was, he was a nice guy, but he took parts of the fight in his role a little bit too seriously well, and, he for you. and what was interesting was that he was a professional wrestler. Yeah, yeah, but how? You gotta land a glider and take off. You can't do it in Central Park. There's too many trees, port authorities, too low to the ground, unless it was some, someplace high. I remember Warlock rehearsing this scene with him. And the reason Warlock couldn't do a lot of the scene was because he had hit Warlock in the head and Warlock had a gigantic lump on his head. <laughs> and he told me, he said, look, all I can tell you is be careful and, and hang in there. Now, Ox was a, was a true tough guy. He, uh, when he stepped through the ring at one point, he cut, him, he cut his leg and showed absolutely no pain. <laughs> and I said, God, doesn't that hurt? Do you want the, do you want the medic to look at you? And he said, oh, you, what? Does what hurt? <laughs> so I knew that we were dealing with, uh, uh, with, a, with a pretty rough guy here. In this particular sequence, we're uh, back in Los Angeles and, and discovering that I think that Snake is, they think Snake is dead. Uh, so now we're gonna rally the troops to Sepulveda Basin, a beautiful kind of dusk shot at our set. Suspended reality here in terms of time, this was great. And uh, those helicopters sure made the film, didn't they? They, oh, yeah. they gave it a real quality. Yeah. <laughs> helicopters at that time hadn't been shot a lot. They hadn't, you know, the, there was the, uh, 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 apocalypse now, but it, yeah. it hadn't really been shown. Now we have a nice long panaglide shot of you uh, entering the ring, so to speak. This is down. This is the guy, the previous guy coming out. Yep. <laughs> this is a location that's in the the train station, and this was once a very elegant restaurant for the patrons, and it was the the spot where uh, all the mayor and all the dignitaries in town would come for dinner. And now it's just literally trashed. Yeah. Um, I always enjoyed this sequence uh, uh, because uh, <laughs> at one point in this uh, um, fight, uh, you uh, are, are very realistic in uh, trying to protect yourself oh against boy. the blows of Ox Baker. Yeah, this, and the, one of the toughest thing about this day was that the snake was starting to sweat off of my stomach, <laughs> so we had to keep retouching up the, the cobra. But uh, this was this was one of the toughest things uh, in terms of physicality that I ever. Uh, in 33 years I've ever been involved with in, in, in the movie business. This guy was... Uh, He's a tough character. He was half out of control. <laughs> and I can remember at one point finally saying, you know, if you you tag me, I, of course I, you know, I was okay once I had a baseball bat in my hand and I said, you tag me, I'm telling you what, I'm, gonna, I'm not only gonna hit you, I'm gonna pull you. <laughs> Well, I remember uh, uh, he was he was beating you up pretty good, and you you said to Warlock, "Why don't we talk to him a little bit?" Here comes Ox now. He's he's an amazing human being, and uh, it didn't change after we talked to him. No. So you tapped him gently in a certain area of his anatomy and said, "Look, this is coming. <laughs> if you uh, if you tag me, this is gonna come." Yeah. 
We got to the end of this fight, and I, he, he did the best he could. He was, he was really a very sweet guy. And uh, he wasn't coordinated in the sense of being able to yeah. have a, a very close physical uh, um, uh, contact without it being very brutal. He He's didn't, used yeah. to a lot of, of, of real contact. Real contact. He didn't so. understand movie contact very well. And we, we were at a loss to explain it to him. But <laughs> Oh, Jesus. <laughs> That's just the way I felt. Uh -huh. I thought this is going to be a long two days. Look at the sweat coming off his head. But uh, I remember we finally got to the end of this fight, and I had really taken a beating over, what was it, two, three days we did this, right? And finally it was, it was, it was you'll see, it's time to kill him. And he didn't like that. He didn't like that. Where he did was, not like we it. We had to put that piece of wood on his neck with that thing around his collar, and the only way we could get the bat to stick was to put the nail in the bat. And so now I was going to come down on his head, and, and, and I said, now you've had your turn, now it's mine. I said, don't move. <laughs> You know, he didn't want to lose, that's, no, that's for he, sure. No. Now, Ike gives a great speech oh, here. This is great. He was and uh, we introduce the weapons of the fight. Oh, he's having a good time. <laughs> we introduce the weapons of our fight here pretty quickly, but we do see um, Ike telling us that basically you're going to lose. Yeah. And that's a real wrestling ring. And um, we're in the train station again, and it's torch lit and with a lot of smoke. A lot of people in that scene. I remember we, that was one of the few times we really had a bunch of extras. We did. Now you're off and running. And we, <laughs> we began the fight. A lot of this is done with Panaglide. This is a, uh, this wide shot is done on the floor with a, with a dolly. But in the ring, we were using the, the Panaglide a lot. It was a lot easier to work with. Now, all these things with Ox here, uh, you're barely kind of uh, uh, missing it, yeah. and uh, whap, nice move. Now we're back uh, with Harry Dean and Adrienne, and this whole sequence uh, with Donald. Uh, Donald, uh, the president, is uh, being tormented, and uh, he uh, decided that he wanted to wear a wig during the scene because <laughs> he was getting into his character, and. Uh, he really uh, brought a great deal of this uh, pitiful humiliation to the president, which I greatly enjoyed, which was another thing that the studio was worried about. Well, you, if you guys make this much fun of the president of the United States, I don't think you should do that. And I said, relax, it's in the future, guys. You know, It'll be something that the audience will enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> so now we're in uh, uh, an Annie room, and uh, there's Donald's contribution to the... <laughs> to the fun. Politics of America. Exactly. The executive uh. room. <laughs> now we've established that Adrienne has the gun, so we know she's going to use it in a minute. And uh, Frank doesn't quite know if he likes this. That's great. Again, that you you get the sense that, that these people are in a way small time criminals. <laughs> But they have a criminal code she among liked, them. She enjoyed that. Yep. He died well, Frank, didn't he? Yep. With a protractable blade. Yeah. Now we're we're going to loose uh, let loose the president. <laughs> now we we oh, change back. weapons. Oh yeah. And uh, this is, as I recall, in a minute here is, is when we're going to see you really take some uh, some shots, some pretty serious shots. And on these the, bats now, I think, have nails in them. Yeah, they're coming up, and they've got the trash can lids coming up, and yeah. Now you you was, uh, so yeah see the uh, there was something about this scene that I just thought was great and that was that here you are with this sort of quintessential American 
nightmare story. And if you're going to have it out, why not have it out with baseball yeah. bats? And if you're going to really have it out, why not have it out with trash can lids and nails and baseball bats? <laughs> Real gladiator <laughs> stuff. Oh, boy. Now, uh, they're making their escape. Again, we're utilizing the Panaglide whenever we can to, uh, to float through sets. Um, this entire uh, sequence was shot in the St. Louis train station. It's really an amazing set. Here's where you're taking it. Yeah. Right in in this area, especially yeah. when we get into the, some of the close-ups, he wouldn't, he wouldn't just back wouldn't, off. Yeah. yeah, he wanted to. There you go. He, when that guy was 350 or something, yeah. more than that, I guess. Yeah. When he's swinging that bat, I want to tell you something. <laughs> you was, can feel it. Oh, look at that! Took a shot go. there and there. There you go. <laughs> oh, oh boy. And you're doing a good job of kind of saving your own life. Oh boy, this was rough. Oh, you and have the, to. And that was a tough thing, having that ripped out. And we had to connect. Remember, well, on that, we had yeah. to have those nails connect. Yeah. So he had to swing hard enough. And you're rolling around in there, uh, and here it comes. Here Boom. it comes. Now and this he, was what he didn't bang. want, and that those nails were real. And on the back of his head, he had that piece of wood that, and it had to be in there hard enough to stick. That's right. He he was worried about that. So he did I. a great job. He planted it in the right spot. He didn't move. Now they're chanting "Snake," and uh, you have great. triumphed. And you grab back your tracer and push the button, and uh, now we change uh, the story around. The police force realizes you're still alive. They're going to give you another chance, and we're, uh, we're heading into the, the third act. <laughs> yeah, it's always a nice to turn around the second act into the third. Basically, the, being an odyssey, uh, Snake has gone through these uh, these terrible problems. He only has an hour and a half left before his head blows off. So um, <laughs> it's got a problem. <laughs> he has some he has some serious problems. <laughs> oh man. So we're off and running into the to the final uh, dun, dun, dun. The final J sequence. This guy was he was jacked up. And I suppose if we'd uh, the uh, the final end of the movie, we could have uh, had we had a little bit more money, we could have gone on and on with it and made it made it a little bit more uh, um, like what you were used to seeing in the late '80s and, and these days, a diehard kind of a spectacle. But we didn't, so we. Uh, we stayed with the characters. Again, here we're back in Los Angeles. Um, and Lee does not want to walk up to the helicopter, but I'm forcing him to do it. He hates him. Download the choppers. <laughs> Download the choppers and get me out of here. So we're basically into the, uh, <clears throat> the final action sequence and reutilizing, again, the, the animation to tell the story. We're over at CalArts now. That was great what Tommy Atkins did there, too, because he took that character from being sort of one of those icy cold trooper types to a guy who smiles when he realizes that this kind guy of he has snake. no much appreciation for he, he has to, he has to respect him. So you're going up the World Trade Center, we, we presume, to the very top, which I would imagine would take you a little bit of time, and you'd be a little winded, <laughs> only to discover uh, uh, a situation on top. Now they're arguing about what to do with you, and... Uh, Everybody's holding their own here. It's uh, more animation to tell us. You only have uh, 59 uh, minutes left, and here we are in the middle of a fight on the roof. Now, these are uh, <laughs> brick-throwing uh, uh, Indians who are chopping your, your uh, glider, and off it goes. Uh, Is that line still in there? Damn redskins. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah there it is. <laughs> and the president pops up. <laughs> We were having a having a good time doing this. It was. Uh, uh, oh, remember the sound of those? And I remember that gun was kind of different. 
We did. We we processed the sound of the of the gunfire to make it sound slightly futuristic, and uh, we're back in the Wiltern Theater and uh, reutilizing the sets that we used before, which is a, a kind of a little secret that you can do with low budget films and still make it look. Uh, look like it's made for a reasonable amount of money. I, I think that it's hard to believe this was made for $5 million. I sit here now and think to myself, how did we do it? It may have, caught, it may have been up to six, but uh, that's, a, that's a pretty low amount of money. This was uh, made for Avco Embassy. The time was one of the few independents in Hollywood that wasn't, a, wasn't the same as it is now. The movie business has changed a yeah. lot since then. Yeah, it really has. And there, there was a... I remember in those days... Uh, one of the things that was interesting about the way the studio treated, we, treated you was that they knew to really to leave you alone and to not to not uh, mess with your with your movie. I I'd never really done a major studio yeah. film. Um, yeah. the, the, my first major studio film for Universal came after this. We did it together. It was called yeah. The Thing, yeah. and it was a totally different experience because when you work for the majors, they uh, uh, they tend to exert, uh, try to exert much more control over you than uh, you yeah. do when you're an independent. And uh, so these were the good old days, Kurt. When we had a... <laughs> you know, it's the truth. It would be uh, fun to uh, to attack a picture the same way, wouldn't it? It would yeah. be fun to go back and try to yeah. something this way again. It forces you. To, it does force you to be. It forces you to think. It forces you to to, to be creative. Yes. You just don't have the dollars to, to back you up. So you have to do it on your feet, and you have to do it with your performances and your storytelling. It has to be very straightforward. And um, in some ways, it's, it's much more fun. And in some ways, you're, uh, you're, taking, uh, you're taking more chances and, and, and getting more uh, in return. So now we're on the, we're on the chase. Oh, now we're in Century City now, uh, running out of uh, the towers there. And, here comes Cabby again. We're about to uh, uh, enter into our final uh, uh, chase, which is across the the bridge. You you decide to drive here, and uh, this is a bridge. And this is a bridge that you you invented the 60, you invented the 69th Street Bridge, right? Yeah, we uh, <laughs> we couldn't go on a real bridge in New York. Those things are <laughs> those things are huge. So we invented it and we shot it. Um, in a, a very strange place, it's uh, a little tiny bridge in, in rural uh, in Missouri, and across it was closed down. And the thing I remember the most about this bridge was that uh, it was cicadas were flying all over at night and buzzing us, and it yeah. was very strange. Now, uh, the whole MacGuffin of this movie is this tape that the president supposedly has. Uh, Something to do with uh, uh, fusion or fission or something. That Something's going to save the world. <laughs> that's right. It doesn't really matter, but it was something that we needed to get back. It's it's uh, an important plot device that you can immediately forget and not worry about anymore. Now we're in. Uh, this is a great shot. Was this the sh is this the shot where you, where the, where you get the two of them? Mm -hmm. I love this. And uh, he's going by one way, and we come up yeah. across the bridge, and there you come the other way. And this was a uh, this was <laughs> in near downtown St. Louis. Now we're about to jump a bridge. And do our and here we come. We're in the middle of the countryside, this miles was big stunt, from the wasn't city, it? and this was our big stunt. <laughs> we built those buildings. There he goes, bang, and we're on the little bridge. This little tiny country bridge out in the middle of nowhere had been shut down for years, and uh, and these shots are, are extremely ambitious for us, uh, uh, considering that we have to light the whole bridge from above. And Cundy couldn't put any lights because there's water. The, 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 
The river is run, running right under there. We've got explosions on the bridge. We're cutting in and out between the uh, set uh, and uh, a location. And here comes Ike in his car. He's going to jump the bridge. Ah, oh, yeah. Boy, that thing jumps, doesn't it? <laughs> and this is great music. I love the music every time you cut to him. It had that calypso kind of... It has a little was, feel to it, doesn't it? <laughs> that was great. And uh, we have uh, bombs going off. Roy Arbogast did the special effects. Did a great job. Yeah. We had a great team working with us. Really, um, they were moving fast, too. They were hanging by a thread. We had to, and we just had to finish it. It was great here, I thought, because all these characters in a very short period of time had been, you cared about them all. You cared about Cabby, you, you cared about uh, the president, uh, you cared about Brain and Maggie, and... Uh, because of their humorous aspects also, yeah. they, they, they endeared you uh, to them. They made you care about them. Uh, mm -hmm. The cab is blown in half. We did that stunt oh. twice because it didn't work the first yeah. time. And the, 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 the second time it was, the second time you had to put the car sort of back together again. We had to put it back together and, and, and uh, this was the first scene we shot on the bridge here with you guys. Uh, Cabby, of course, is dead and we've, we've gotten rid of one of our, our actors. We're going we're gonna to eventually get rid of them all and get down to Snake. <laughs> He's going to end up alone. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> I recall my fear at this moment when I had, this was the first time I had worked with all of you together on yeah. that bridge, and um, Larry Franco turning to me and saying, would you relax? I said, you don't understand. You don't understand. I've got all these actors looking at me, and I don't know what to say to them. <laughs> so now we're running down the bridge. There's a great uh, uh, stunt coming up here with Harry Dean. Who did this? Well, this was, uh, I can't remember his name right now, but uh, Harry hits the, we've set something off Whoa. in the foreground, and there goes the stunt man in the reverse. It's a great, uh, great old-fashioned trick. Yeah, very tricky too because if you don't hit stiff-legged, your knees go up through your yep through your jaw. This was good too. This really paid the two of these. These two characters people. get paid off right here, and then there's a there's a there's something they understand between them, and Harry Dean's gone now, and and she has a certain loyalty to yeah. to him, and he understands and respects that, but he's not going to wait for her. No, and he I think he sort of this is the only person he had any sort of feelings for in this movie. He really didn't want to see her to have to die. But she's she's going to uh, do what she has to do. Well, she is Maggie. Yep. <laughs> she's going to stay there and uh, stand to the end. Maggie with a gun. She wants that gun. But she did a great job in this. She really yep. invested the character with, uh, with uh, a sort of a psychotic sensibility. Yeah, and it's interesting how in a very short period of time uh, you can turn an audience uh, from having a sort of campy kind of fun into a feeling of uh, reality between two characters in a, in a, in a situation that's high-powered. Turn on a dime, isn't it strange? Yeah. And now she's, uh, now she's going to get into the, the power of the gun again and getting her revenge on, on Ike, only she doesn't. <laughs> she gets uh, nailed. Up comes one of my favorite shots, the garage shot. <laughs> the garage shot. <laughs> I only heard about this and then saw it in the movie. We, uh, we shot, uh, uh, Adrienne getting killed here, the stunt, uh, with a dummy, there is a dummy coming up. Oops, yeah. it got hit, but we never saw what happened to her, so. Wasn't the studio, did they want to know that? The they didn't necessarily, I kind of wanted to. Let uh, everybody know that she was uh, dead, in fact. And you shot that in your garage? That's <laughs> in my garage, yeah. <laughs> uh, The last minute. <laughs> and uh, now we're getting ready to, to rescue the president and Snake uh, from the bridge. And you're about to have your final uh, showdown with uh, Isaac Hayes. 
That is a walkie-talkie. Yep. Now, we built this wall on the other side of this country bridge. It was a huge wall, and it was, uh, oh, as, as realistically as tall as the one in Sepulveda Basin. Now we're back in, in Los Angeles for this part of it, but um, I can't believe the amount of production value we got for the budget. I mean, it's, it's yeah. really stunning. We put the light, had to build a, the lights up on top, had to run electricity to all of it. Now we're back, uh, we're cutting back and forth between St. Louis and Los Angeles. Here, here you come with with the president. I believe we're shooting with a couple of cameras here. Yeah, we're to show the scale of it, but that's a real uh, We, we real talked location. also about who should go up first. Yeah. We thought at this point in the movie, Snake should probably realize that the president, the president more needs important. to go up. <laughs> it, it, either that or they might kill him. Now here yeah. comes uh, Ike. Uh, <laughs> yeah, either that or they might kill him first and they have a chance. <laughs> Up goes the stunt man. Here comes Ike. He's going to come, and now, are they going to get back down and save you? Now, we reinvented this little area here. He's running out of time. Um, oops. He's shooting everybody. Now, you can take <laughs> a big dive onto a mattress there, don't you, Kurt? Yeah. Yep. Uh, yep. But you're about to... Um, come up from the deep. Yep. Yep. Ike was great here. Now, back comes the... Uh, uh, the tie. Now, he wants to get out also. He senses freedom, but there you go. Well, there goes somebody who looks like Yeah, that's, that's, that's Dick, I think. <laughs> yep. And now you're into your fight. This there was, uh, we, we did a couple takes of this. You guys Boom. are great here. And he was Another uh, elbow shot. <laughs> yep. He really put himself into it for a rock and roll star, man. He's great. Up you go. And, um, had we, Ike ever been, had Isaac ever been in a movie? Before? He had. He yeah. had done Truck Turner. Oh, that's right. That's and right. And he was, uh, so the president stops you on the wall. Right, thanks and, a lot. Uh, uh, we think Snake's going to bite the big one. Here it comes, but... Yeah, the Duke. <laughs> here comes... Here comes Donald. And Donald, <coughs> Donald was actually, uh, uh, in World War II, was a pilot. He was a fighter pilot who was shot down in a Japanese prisoner of war camp. I never knew and that. And was tortured. I never knew that. And he invested his scene with a little bit he came, of he came, yeah. reality there. Yeah. And then he decides to let Snake Snake live. live. Now up goes Warlock to the top. And yeah. uh, now we, Texas Switch. We do a great <laughs> Texas Switch here for for people who don't know what the Texas Switch is. Uh, it's an old uh, stunt trick. You want to explain it? Well, it's here comes. I'm coming. Uh, no, Dick's coming down. But he's about 20 feet. He's more higher in the air than it looks here. He's about 15 feet. He drops all the way down and. I come up. <laughs> and you're hiding behind the truck, <laughs> I'm of course. I'm hiding behind the truck. <laughs> Texas Switch. Old-fashioned, old-time <clears throat> Yakima Canut uh, stunt yeah. done with Wayne and all those guys. Okay, so now we have the moment of truth. We discussed uh, briefly having the, uh, the police uh, turn around and say, we never did put anything in you, and it was right. all a trick. But we decided then again right. to go ahead and make it real. So now he's made it. We're going to see if his head comes off. Did you really take care of he me or not? You did hear that this guy wanted to live. He really did want to live. He, he wasn't not concerned. <laughs> <laughs> so now we are, uh, we're done with the action and we're into our ending. And this is, a, a, as far as I'm concerned, it's kind of an interesting ending. We have uh, all this movie you've struggled to uh, survive and, and save uh, the president. And the entire movie hinges on bringing him back so he can address... The nations summit, yeah. and uh, present the tape that's going to, you know, uh, ensure the, the future <laughs> will have unlimited power. And what do you do? But you uh, you screw the police and the nation as well as you did everybody oh, yeah. else. And I remember this was uh, this was written to flick the cigarette and actually bounce it off his chest. 
And I, I remember I kind of backed off of that one. I said, John, gee, that's a little rough, isn't it? And, and, and he said, well, just flick it at him. <laughs> and we, uh, he's, Snake is always evaluating character throughout this movie. He's always asking questions and seeing what he thinks of people. And he's yeah. decided now that the president is a, is a, really doesn't care about the people who sacrifice their lives for him. And uh, He's really there just for the self-serving purpose. That's right. And so Snake's made his decision now that he's not going to let... Uh, He's going to get some exact some sort of revenge for that because he's not going to let him get away with it. We're shooting this again at the Sepulveda Basin. This is the tunnel was gray here too. He did have to face the nation. <laughs> Boom. Boom. <laughs> and off you go. And that was great. Yeah, nice. And Tom. Tom gives a nice look. Here. Now you have a nice little final scene with uh, uh, Lee, who expresses his. Uh, Lee is like you. He's, he yeah, is you yeah, in a he sense. Is, he yeah. admires you, and he wants you to come join the, the department. But I don't think Snake could ever join anything. I no. think he's much too much of a on his of own. his own man. And, and that was the first time he called him by his other name. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they never looked at each other here until the very end. <laughs> and it's fun. You get to play... Uh, uh, it played a lot of great scenes with a lot of great actors. It's fun. Now, this was the self, almost the self-lighting yeah, cigarette. Right, right. <laughs> Didn't quite work. Didn't quite work, no. but uh, it was a good idea. The name's Pliskin. He did not like My name's Pliskin. <laughs> <laughs> and off you go. Now yeah. we're going to have Donald uh, present his findings to the world, and we're going to get your final shot. I've always uh, been in... <laughs> an admirer of Howard Hawks, and he's ended a lot of his movies on tracking shots with actors. And I always thought that was a great way to end this movie, with you kind of walking off in, uh, in a fade-out. Don Donald, uh, Donald loved the fact that he was giving a press conference with a, with a handcuffs on. He just couldn't, <laughs> couldn't get enough of that. Yeah, they couldn't, they couldn't cut those off of him in time. And he was a really great actor. He played yeah. the scene any way you wanted him to. Now he puts in the tape, and we... We find out it's American Bandstand, <laughs> which Dick Clark graciously let this, me use. This is one of the great expressions going here. Yeah, you can't believe it. <laughs> Such a good actor, they and really we uh, we end up with the final, very simply, a final shot of you. We're tracking along with you, and uh, you pull out the the real tape, which is uh, the future of mankind, and we can <laughs> and see how you it. feel. <laughs> you destroy it, and your final character moment here. There's a slight smile a and bit. sense of satisfaction. You're free, and off we go. <laughs> and uh, we're going to run Music our end up. credits and uh, finish it up. And it's kind of amazing to watch the picture now. It uh, it still holds up quite well for its time. And uh, I, I'm reminded of what great time we had doing yeah. it. Yeah, I, I just, uh, that was a... Uh... Certainly one of the great experiences I ever had. It was still early on in years in my relationship, although we'd gotten to know each other pretty good. We had one under our belt already, and yeah, uh, yeah, and that's uh, fun. A couple of old guys sitting around looking at the old days, though. Yeah, it's a little strange, but uh, I, I'm a fan of this movie. I've, I've always felt that uh, it would hold up, and uh, I'm. I think one of the things that says that is that so many movies. Since then, have have really copied that style. Oh, that's very nice. A lot, a lot of a lot of uh, pictures have tried to do that, and, and not only that, but I think, and I know for a fact that a lot of uh, uh, videos, from, like MTV videos, have. have I would agree, style. and I think a lot of people copied the way uh, you played the main character. 
Also, would like to say to the audience, you know, uh, rather than being pretentious, this is really the way that a director and an actor talk. Uh, it's really... <laughs> it's what you and I do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really not uh, not a whole lot of... Uh, of uh, of laying on of, uh, of themes and pretension. It's, it's really straightforward. That's the way we love to, to make films, and I think that's the way that, uh, that we should. It was fun to come to a, a sense of shorthand speaking, which I think you and I had from very early on time when we were doing Elvis. Yeah. And uh, uh, I guess that happens because uh, as an actor, you appreciate what the screenplay is. And this was yours, and I, I just thought it was a wonderful opportunity, and I was really glad you fought for me to do the picture. I remember they wanted, didn't the studio want? Uh, they wanted Charles Bronson. Charlie Bronson. Charles Bronson. And uh, you wanted to have a younger, uh, younger kind of uh, guy, and uh, I just, uh, it, that took a lot of guts, and I think that uh, the outcome was, uh, the outcome was terrific. Well, we had to stick together, man. I mean, we had to pull it off. <laughs> Hey, it's been fun, and I hope uh, the, the audience out there is watching this has enjoyed it, and, uh, and I've had a good time going back through the movie. I haven't seen it in so long. It's fun to see it again. It, it reminds me of, of how I felt at that time, and that was that uh, every day out there, I, I always had you, and that was, that was great. Hey, that's neat. Yeah. All right, guys. We'll see you later. See you in the movies.